Welcome back to another episode of the Cody Tucker Show. As always, I'm your host, Cody Tucker. Be sure to like, subscribe, tell a friend. Um, go to the merch store, buy a t-shirt. <laughs> I'm going to keep pounding this into the fucking ground until, you know, until I start moving a little merchandise. But, uh, you know, if you get a chance, buy something. Christmas is coming up, Hanukkah is coming up, and Ramadan. Equal uh holidays in my mind um one not more should not be celebrated more than the other <laughs> let me just move on from that christmas is really all that matters sorry um you know i'll dive more in that and more into that and, you know once we start heading into the old december uh time anyways well this started off uh Real, real fucking terrible. Only going up from here. So, um, all right, let's go ahead and see what's on the old docket today. See what we're going to talk about. Do, 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 do. First topic. Okay. Oh, man. All right. So, Britney Spears admits to cheating on Justin Timberlake with Wade Robson in memoir. So, this, <laughs> so this memoir that is coming out about Britney Spears. Okay, I mean, that is the, so whenever I actually like saved that to be like, oh, I definitely want to talk about that. That was like one of the biggest things that had come out about the memoir at the time uh, that I had saved that. So I was like, oh, yeah, 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 okay. Um, within days, <laughs> it was just a, the floodgates opened on how fucking nuts Britney Spears's life has been. Oh my God. So one, yeah, I mean, she cheated on Justin Timberlake with Wade Robson. So, she got Michael Jackson's sloppy seconds. <laughs> so, you know, there's that. Um, but, then it comes out that Britney Spears got pregnant by Justin Timberlake during the, you know, their romance together. And had an, <laughs> had an in-home abortion in which she was lay, basically laying on the bathroom crying, having an abortion, while, according to Britney Spears, Justin Timberlake was <laughs> just sitting next to her playing his guitar. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, <laughs> yeah, my guess, um, tears in heaven. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, this is... Uh, look, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Who knows if any of that actually happened? My Look, Britney Spears... Britney Spears existed in a moment in American history where nothing bad really could happen. It was about as happy-go-lucky as there ever was a time in the U.S. 1999, 2000... 
<laughs> and then in 2001, <laughs> you know, a little uh, a little snafu happened in New York City that basically said, it basically made everybody think, eh, are we, we going to be fucking listening to Britney Spears and NSYNC now? <laughs> like, after seeing this shit. Uh, so, yeah. We, it was really just a time where everyone was, in a way, like in a sense, everyone was slightly homosexual. Not not that there's anything wrong with that. But, you know, it's when like met- metrosexuality kind of became a thing. Ryan Seacrest, uh, you know, a lot of frosted tips on the fellas, a lot of mesh t-shirts. Um, now, granted, I was just a, a little tiny boy at the time. I also had frosted tips, though. <laughs> um, you know, and I still don't know what effect that has had on me into my adulthood. Probably nothing great, if I had to guess. Uh, it's a chapter in my life that I didn't think I would be talking about today, um, but here we are. So, yeah, you know, it was just, you know... And I was also just a little kid, so what the fuck did I have to worry about? Although I was fucking the most neurotic child. I was basically like Woody Allen, but me as an 8-year-old and Woody Allen as a 50-year-old had the same taste in women. (laughs) Um, You know, yeah, just very, very worried that bad things are going to happen. Then 9-11 happens, you're like, oh, well... (laughs) Maybe I'm like goddamn Nostradamus. <laughs> um, but, you know, it kind of puts things into perspective that, yeah, yeah, Britney Spears' music fucking sucks. And then her career tanked. And, you know, people, like, wonder why. Like, they're like, oh, maybe it had something to do with this conservatorship. No, she... Look, hold on. Goddamn, I'm sweating my fucking dick off right now. Jesus Christ. Ugh. Fuck me. <laughs> All right. I mean, I sweat a lot for a person who has never tried cocaine in his life. Hmm. Oh, well. So, to me, Britney Spears, to kind of like... I mean, there's just so much shit going on with Britney Spears. She thought her family was going to kill her, which... <laughs> uh, that, might have, that might be the most sane thing Britney Spears has said in the last 20 fucking years. But also... Look. Britney Spears should never have been let out of that conservatorship. <laughs> I mean, you know, look, as as a, an American, boy, do I love freedom. Um, I still refer to French fries as freedom fries. I love liberty, the pursuit of happiness. I don't think, I think that time has passed for Britney Spears. <laughs> <laughs> I think when she was about 17, uh, that time, <laughs> that that door closed for her, which is sad. You know, obviously, that's not good. But, you know, at the same time, reality is reality. There ain't there aren't two realities. There's just the one. Um, I mean, Britney Spears, I believe, is operating on the assumption that there's about 15 realities. And in one of those, re- and well, apparently in all 15 of her realities, there isn't a single part of her that says dancing with knives <laughs> while you just have the most dead look in your face uh, isn't a uh, bad idea. <laughs> so, boy. Um, 
I, uh, you know, to me, Britney Spears is basically like, like the pop music version of Shamu or like a circus lion. You know, they've been paraded out in public so long and it basically just had like fame and attention beaten into their heads that, I mean, what the fuck can you really do for? You can't let those sons of bitches out in the wild. They have no chance. Britney Spears is out in the wild now and look at, look at what's going on. Holy shit. (laughs) She, she needed to be locked up in that goddamn house. Just like if you took Shamu and put his ass in the, you know, Gulf of Mexico, the fucker would be, go, look, if you took a circus line and just dumped it out into the middle of fucking, you know, the savannah, I mean, he's done for. There's no chance. You got to just keep fucking beating that son of a bitch over the head, you know, (laughs) until the circuses are all closed. Um, Like, Britney Spears is, you know. She's she's a risk to the world. Like there is, there is a, to me a very solid chance that I you know I don't know man I, she's I, things are gonna go real bad. <laughs> I mean they kind of already are. I mean you know leave Justin alone. He's had enough fucking problems to deal with. Now, if this is all true, if this son of a bitch was playing, <laughs> was just strumming his guitar while she's having an abortion on their, you know, in their bathroom, oh man, <laughs> old JT might have uh, made a bit of a tactical error. But you know, he ended up with Jessica Biel, so that worked out real fucking well for him. Yeah. Look, I don't know. You know, Brittany. I mean. I just, you know, at some point, uh, you're just too far gone. (laughs) Like, you've just, you've gone into the, uh, you've gone off into the ether a little too far. It's like when people, I mean, she's like fucking Sid Barrett. Like, Like, you just look in her eyes and you are looking into the back of her fucking head. (laughs) <laughs> like it, there is nothing there at all, and I mean the, none of this is her. I mean, I, you know, I'm not just trying to like shit on Britney Spears, although it is pretty easy to do and kind of fun in a lot of ways. But is none of this is her fault. But at the same time, the truth is the truth, and if when you stare into Britney Spears' eyes long enough, you know. Her eyes, it begins to stare back at you. Like, she is the human abyss. And I, you know, I mean, there's just nothing there. (laughs) I mean, holy fuck. She's like a real doll. Like those weird, creepy, you know, sex dolls that the uh, Japanese fellas enjoy. Like, she's like one of those that... She basically now is like a real doll version of... Of Britney Spears that like a, you know, middle-aged Japanese man was able to, was granted a wish and that was his wish that his Britney Spears real doll would come to life. And here it is. And it is now dancing with knives. <sighs> that's not good. Well, you know, that's life though. That is life. It'll happen to all of us one day. Some sooner than others. God damn. It is like 
How the fuck is it this hot inside right now? I mean, we're in goddamn October. Damn near Halloween. And it feels like it's 100, 150 fucking degrees in here. And, I mean, I've been cranking this thermostat down. <sighs> Whatever. Fuck it. Alright, moving on. <laughs> I get a little agitated when I'm hot. Holy fuck. Alright. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, Adele was, in her words, borderline alcoholic as she reveals she gave up drinking three months ago. Let me tell you something. There is no such thing as being a borderline alcoholic. You are an alcoholic or you just like to drink. There's no, I mean, there's, there is no such thing. There is no borderline alcohol, like alcoholic, like speaking from a pretty good amount of experience on this. Um, I was never a borderline alcoholic. I, there was a time in my life where alcohol was not available to me. So I wasn't able to drink every day. And as soon as it was, as soon as the possibility of me drinking every day became a a reality, I made sure it happened. That is because I guess I was a fucking alcoholic. I was... I believe, already an alcoholic before I ever had alcohol. I just couldn't get it. It was easier, actually. Like, before I turned... I'm trying to think when I started drinking, like... When I started drinking, like, decently socially, I was probably, like, 18. 17, 17 or 18. Whenever I started drinking, like, at least on a weekly basis. I would have been drinking every single day if I could have gotten alcohol every single day. Adele is, I don't know how fucking old she is, what, 30, 31 maybe? Maybe even a little older than that. If you are above 21, living in the U.S., I don't know, is the drinking age different in England? Is it like 18 maybe? I think it's 18. Where, Whatever the drinking age is in your country, so for you know us here in you know, the good old home of the red, white, and blue, uh, 21, the day you turn 21, if you aren't an alcoholic, a full blown alcoholic, then you're just, you're not one. Like if, if it is a possibility for you to have alcohol every day and you choose not to, you're not an alcoholic. <laughs> like if you, like I was choosing to drink Every single day. And had I been able to get alcohol in when I was 13, 14, 15, I would have done it. I would have been drinking every single day. Because the few times I was able to get alcohol when I was, you know, 13, 14, boy, did I love it. <laughs> as soon as it touched my lips, I was like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever invented. So... Yeah, I was already an alcoholic who just didn't have alcohol. I still consider myself an alcoholic. And I haven't drank in like, I don't know, four-ish years. And I still consider myself to be one because I know that if I did go to, you know, a liquor store right now and buy a bottle of Jack Daniels, it would be gone within a couple of hours and I would be back at the liquor store getting another one. And I would do that tomorrow, the next day, the next day, and it'd just be back into that. So... Like, I do not believe that part of me is gone at all. It prob- I don't know if it ever w- would be gone. I just, you know, 
stop drinking so I don't have to worry about getting a DUI. I don't have to worry about having fucking cirrhosis. All the bad shit that comes with being an alcoholic. I don't have to worry about it. Adele is not a fucking alcoholic. She's not borderline alcoholic. You either are one or you're not. How that works. Like, you don't borderline have cancer. <laughs> you either go to a doctor. The doctor's not going to say, eh, you'll pro- you could probably get cancer within the next couple of years if you, you know, stop wearing sunscreen. Like, you either go in and get some shit removed and they tell you you have cancer. Or they say, eh, you don't got it. Congratulations. That's how that's how it works. Now, I'm not saying alcoholism is a disease like cancer, which is, God, one of the most absolutely idiotic arguments ever. Um, alcoholism is not a disease. It's a mental disorder. I'd say that. The same way that, like, anxiety is a disorder. Um, I mean, even, I think, in some cases, depression is more of a mental disorder. I think depression kind of veers onto the line of, like... Well, no, depression is not a disease either. It's not a disease. I mean, but then again, I mean, what the fuck is a disease? I mean, if you don't choose to have something, you know, people who have like clinical depression, they're not fucking choosing to have depression. They just have it. People who have cancer, I mean, in some ways, you know, it's. I guess it is about the same. Because, god damn, I hate that, that I'm thinking that way. Because, boy, I have hated Every single time I've heard somebody try to compare, say that alcoholism or drug addiction is a disease. But now maybe it is. Uh Uh-oh. Because, like, cancer, you don't choose to have cancer unless you smoke cigarettes all the time. Smoke cigarettes all the time, you kind of are choosing to have cancer eventually. Um, If you go out in the sun, you know, 14 hours a day with no protection on, you're kind of choosing to one day eventually have skin cancer. If you choose to drink every day, you are choosing to be an alcoholic. But there has to still be something in your head that would like make you an alcoholic. Because most people aren't going to drink every day unless they're an alcoholic. Hmm. I don't know. It's an interesting quandary. Yeah, well. Fuck it, Adele didn't have alcoholism. She's just trying to get fucking attention. So, I mean, job well done, I guess. But, you know. Adele, you're you're fine. I mean, she's not listening to this bullshit, but she's definitely fine. All right, next. Charlie Sheen concerned about daughter Sammy turning into a hot mess after joining OnlyFans. No one can tell her what to do. <laughs> Let me look. Boy, are you fucking up if Charlie Sheen is concerned about you. <laughs> if, you know, the wizard, Tiger Blood himself, uh, is concerned about your well-being... You have made a horrible decision in life. Now, I would say joining OnlyFans is probably not that bad of a decision <laughs> for most people. I, I've i never like heard somebody say that they made an OnlyFans and was concerned for them. I was just like, oh, okay, so you're doing that. Um, yeah, I've never been like concerned someone was on OnlyFans. This is the same motherfucker. <laughs> was like tried to kill people and was like I believe at one point smoking crack and infested who knows how many women with HIV and he's concerned about his daughter having an OnlyFans <laughs> which you know 
And I think there's something going on with like her and her mom, who's Denise Richards, like them having like a joint OnlyFans or something. I kind of like skimmed over that because, I mean, I did not really want to read too heavy into that and have to go, you know, tug one out. But, I mean, if they have a joint one, that's a, well, they're about to have a new subscriber. Holy shit. All right. Let's move on. That one. Okay. (laughs) All right. Oh boy, oh boy. So Cher's demanding sexual appetite at 77 is too much for boyfriend Alexander A.E. Edwards, age 37. She's wearing him out. (laughs) I think I speak for everyone who just heard that when I say, uh... (laughs) Oh my god. Now, I mean, obviously for 77, Cher's pretty fucking hot. And, had I had, you know, if I had the opportunity... Yeah, definitely having sex with Cher. Like, one of the most beautiful women of all time. I mean, now, you know, I mean, I guess how good can you look at 77? I just imagine, like, like, it can't be good. (laughs) I mean, poor A.E. This motherfucker's 37. Now, granted, yeah, you're living a great life. If, I mean, you don't have to do shit for the rest of your life. All you gotta do is just fuck share a couple times a day. Which, I mean, holy fuck. 77 now is a lot different than 77, you know, like when I was a kid. Like, when I was a kid, now, if I heard someone was 77 years old, I'm like, I'm expecting a phone call that they're gonna be dead within like two weeks. <laughs> like, everyone in my family, as soon as they hit 70, it was like, oh, shit, they don't got long left. This motherfucker is 77 and is, like, wearing out a dude 40 years younger than her. My God. Like, when you look back at, like, old shows and you see, like, how young the old people were in these shows. Like, all all in the family, Carol O'Connor, Archie Bunker, he was, like... In his early 40s, late 30s, early 40s when that show started. He looked like he was 65. Um, Man, I'm trying to remember. There was like a few others. Like all the Golden Girls were like way younger than you would think they would be. They were like early 50s, I think. Maybe even like late 40s. Like they were way younger than, (laughs) than you would think. Like it is, I mean, especially like look at like athletes and shit and you're like, you look at, like, um, Bart Starr. This motherfucker's, like, 25 years old and looks like he... <laughs> I mean, he looks like he would be a coach in today's NFL. Boy, yeah. I mean, you know, more power to you, sure. I mean, Jesus Christ. If you're still fucking tossing that thing around at 77 that much to wear out a, you know, a young buck. Hmm. I don't know. I just... Ugh. Something about it just is fucking weird. That being said, old Raquel Welch was like 80 when she died almost. And I still, I mean, I 100% would have, you know, gone after that if, uh, you know. Well, it's too late now. So, anyways, Cher, good job. Uh, AE, you know, get it to fucking get it together, dude. I mean, you're... I mean, there's no telling, like, how nice your life is living with a woman who is 77 years old and has so much fucking money and isn't, like, 
grotesque by any stretch of the imagination. She does kind of look like Marilyn Manson now, which is, you know, a bit alarming. I don't know who that's more alarming for, to be honest, but she definitely has a, you know, Manson-esque look to her now. Um, But if all you got to do is fuck, you know, one of the most famous women of all time, granted, a 77-year-old famous woman, but a famous woman nonetheless, who is, you know, probably... I mean, you'd get whatever the fuck you want. 100% I would do that. Like, I think Oprah is one of the most disgusting human beings in the history of the world. I'd fucking just... <laughs> every fucking five minutes. If I got to have, you know... If she bought me, like, cool shit. Yeah. So. Fucking stop complaining, actually. Like, I am 100% on share side in this. At first, I kind of wasn't because I was like, ah, fucking gross. <clears throat> Now, ah, I think I've completely done a 180 on this. <clears throat> this motherfucker needs to be way more thankful. Because, <clears throat> I mean, you know, it, things can be so much worse. You know. Yeah, fuck it. You know, show a little fucking gratitude, to be honest. I mean, it probably isn't that bad. Well, I don't know if I'm going to convince myself of that one. But, oh well, alright. So, we'll table this discussion and uh, take a little break. Move on to, um, what are we going to do next? So, I do have a new topic that I'm going to introduce. A little bit of a uh, self-debate. Um, so, I do like to, I mean, obviously I don't have a second person here. Probably never will. I mean, other than the obviously like guest episodes. I don't think I'm ever going to have like a co-host. Then again, you know, who knows. Um, But I definitely enjoy kind of arguing myself. Like taking two things and trying to like kind of debate in my head like which one do I like more. I mean, obviously that's probably a more fun thing to do with two people. But always been a bit of a loner. So this will just be another kind of um, voyage into my brain. Which, judging from the last, what, 25 minutes... I don't think that's a good place for anyone to be, but, well, if you you stuck it out this far, somehow, uh, might as well keep it going. So, introduce new segment, another new segment, this is going to be Cody Tucker's This or That. Okay, I should probably address that um, the... Inaugural uh, episode of the segment, um, This or That, is going to be, well, I think probably one of the most, probably one of the largest rock debates that there is. That's, which band is better, the Beatles or the Rolling Stones? Now, (laughs) my intention for this segment is that I'm going to kind of... Not, I'm going to go in with a completely clear mind because a lot of these that I'm doing, I haven't really like 100% made a decision. Blah, blah, blah. I'm just going to be like, oh, okay. I Basically, what I did was look up really popular uh, debate, like this or that kind of things, like versus blah, 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 and been like, oh, shit, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. Saved them. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to just not even think about them out of sight, out of mind until the episode, blah, 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 put it in and just kind of go off the dome. And come to a conclusion. However long or quick that takes. Now. 
I had already picked to do <laughs> the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. And and the whole thing was basically like, oh, it's going to be a surprise at the end of which one I pick, blah, blah, blah. And if you agree, disagree, let me know. Uh, have a little debate in the old comment section, all that good stuff. Did not really think about the fact that I am now wearing a fucking Rolling Stone shirt, so it's probably pretty obvious which band <laughs> which one I'm picking. I will try not to do that ever again, but, you know, whatever. Um, I apologize to no one, goddammit. Um, so, obviously this is the biggest debate in music history. The Beatles versus the Stones. Um, now, this is one of those things, one of these arguments that had you have asked me when I was 15, it's the Beatles, 100%. The older I've gotten, the more the Beatles have went down and the Rolling Stones have come up. Now, obviously, going to see the Rolling Stones in concert a couple years ago made a pretty big impact on that because, holy shit, that was amazing. But I was already definitely the tides were turning uh, on which one I liked more. Now, there is no argument over who's more successful, who's more influential. It's the Beatles, without a doubt. And not even just... Now, you know, if you're doing this debate, you cannot include the Beatles. I, I think you cannot include the Beatles, Beatles solo stuff. You can't include John Lennon, the Plastic Ono Band, Wings, um, Ringo's, was it all, Ringo Starr's All-Star Band, and then just whatever the fuck George Harrison was doing. Uh, I mean, actually... What George Harris was doing was making fucking amazing music. I mean, you could really just take... I mean, I will say, it's probably a bit of an unpopular opinion. The Beatles solo stuff is way better than the Beatles. Like, you take the combination of the four of them, like what they did after the Beatles, 100% better than what they did with the Beatles. And to be completely honest, the first half of the Beatles... So, the Beatles were only around for what... Eight years? Yeah, 62 to 70. I mean, it's amazing to think that the Beatles broke up before any of them had turned 30, which is, I think, wild. Um, but the first half of the Beatles' career is damn near unbearable for me to listen to. It's, you know, at the time, obviously pretty revolutionary shit, but holy fuck it, it is not aged well at all. Then the second half of the Beatles' career is 80% absolutely incredible music and then 20% what the fuck is going on maybe I need to be British to understand this shit um, basically like the music version of Monty Python now in that 80% that's amazing holy shit now granted I also think the Sgt. Pepper's album is the most overrated album in music history side by side with Pet Sounds or the Beach Boys. I think both those albums suck ass and do not understand why people love them so much. Um, I think Abbey Road, The White Album, Magical Mystery Tour, Let It Be, fucking what else? What's another one that was around about that time? Um, Revolver. Revolver would be up there. Like Those Beatles albums are fucking amazing. But Sgt. Pepper sucks ass. That album sucks. Um, so, you know, but still, the Beatles are fucking massive. And a lot of songs I love by the Beatles. But holy shit, the Rolling Stones. Like, I mean... And now, of course, like, the Rolling Stones start off basically being a, a cover band. 
which is like the joke of like the Rolling Stones, but also so did everyone those bands. So did every band. Every band basically starts off being a cover band. The Beatles did. Beatles started off doing covers of like you know, Roll Over Beethoven, like a bunch of Chuck Berry, Little Richard shit. Same thing. Well, the Rolling Stones are doing a little bit more like old school blues covers, which again, one of the reasons why the Rolling Stones are to me way better than the Beatles. Um, like to me, the Beatles have no front man. That's for sure. I mean, they have two lead singers. Uh, you need it. You got to have a front man to be a fucking to be a badass rock and roll band. There has to be a front man doing that. Mick Jagger is the quintessential front man. I mean, along with like David Lee Roth. I mean, I fucking hate Aerosmith, but Steven Tyler. Like, there's a handful of people that are like that they define what a rock and roll front man is. But Mick Jagger's the fucking, the, the guy. Like, that's him. Like, the whole, like, showman, frontman, and then quiet guitarist combo starts with the Rolling Stones. Then it goes to, you know, Aerosmith, Van Halen. Like, there's quite a few of those examples. Um, shit, even, like, Deep Purple, kind of. Um, but, goddamn, the Rolling Stones music, to me, is just so much better than the Beatles. Like it, it's not. It's really not even close to me anymore. It used to be like where I'd be like, "Oh man, I could never pick between the two. Mm, bullshit. Fuck the Beatles. I mean, not fuck the Beatles. Beatles are still incredible, but like, <laughs> no, the Rolling Stones are so much better than the Beatles. Um, I mean, what like the Stones albums like Let It Bleed, um, on her Satanic Majesty's request. Ooh, I think I fucking said that name wrong. Exile on Main Street. Like, all those Rolling Stones albums are so fucking good. Even, like, early, like, Rolling Stones albums, you know, like, even their, like, pop songs are so much better than the Beatles' pop songs. Like, the Beatles have, you know, I Want to Hold Your Hand, like, in Eight Days a Week. Like, those songs, uh, She Loves You, those songs are horrible to me. Can't Buy Me Love. Oh, my God. Can't Buy Me Love is, to me, one of the worst songs ever made. Rolling Stones versions of that are, like, Mother's Little Helper, 19th Nervous Breakdown, Street Fighting Man, Let's Spend the Night Together. That's probably the closest to, like, a Beatles song that the Rolling Stones have. And then covers, and then there's, like, Get Off My Cloud, Ruby Tuesday, uh, Tears Go By. Like, they have, you know, they're kind of, like, pop songs. But, I mean, it's just miles above the Beatles. And the talent on the Rolling Stones is way more. Like, I mean, obviously, eventually Ronnie Wood, but, like, original with Brian, Brian Jones is more talented than any member of the Beatles. Um, although George Harrison, to me, my favorite Beatle, which I think that's probably a bit of an unpopular opinion. But I fucking love George Harrison. Um, and George Harrison was massively talented. But, look, Brian Jones way more talented than anyone in the Beatles. Um, and then what was it? Mick Taylor. He's more talented. Ronnie Wood. And then of course, obviously Keith Richards, Bill Wyman, Charlie Watts, and then fucking Mick Jagger. Nobody, no one on the, in the Beatles fucking holds a candle to Mick Jagger's old ass. So yeah. So the answer is the Rolling Stones. Let me know what you think. Agree, disagree. Who knows? But yes, Rolling Stones, hundred percent beats the Beatles. So, That'll be that one. Move on to the old, uh, my Mount Rush.
All right, here we go. So, time for a little bit of the old My Mount Rushmore. This week, we're going to do the fat, the little fat fuck in me is uh, about to have a field day. So, this is going to be My Mount Rushmore of the top four best fast food chains in America. Now, here we go. So, I think from what I've learned about talking about fast food with people, well, you could really uh, start. You could start some shit by, by saying the uh, you know the wrong fast food chain as being your favorite, and that's interesting to me for whatever reason. So let's go. Um, so number one, we're just gonna start off obvious. Uh, McDonald's. There's no fast food place that to me th- this is number one for me. I know obviously like, Mount Rushmore. You're not necessarily ranking them. Nothing fucking beats McDonald's. For you to be able to go to a place and spend, I don't know, like five bucks and get two nice ass hamburgers. Boy, and and the trick is to go get a McDouble. So my so my McDonald's. So what I'll do actually for each of these is just tell what my go to order is for um, each one too. Because uh, it might be quite astounding to some people. So whenever I go to McDonald's, my go-to order, two McDoubles, no pickles and onions, add Big Mac sauce, and a large order of fries, and uh, a Coke. McDonald's Coca-Cola, oh my god, which I know the Sprite, yeah, it gets a lot of attention, as it should. Uh, McDonald's Coca-Cola is the greatest drink on the planet. There's a, like a basically a 100% chance that... As soon as I'm done with this bullshit, I'm going to McDonald's right after this. <laughs> Which is not good for me to have that in my head because i got three more fucking places to talk about. So, I might put down about 15,000 calories worth of food today. But yes, McDonald's, that's my go-to order. McDonald's 100% taking a spot on Mount Rushmore. Alright, so now number two. Taco Bell. Live Moss. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> is that Taco Bell? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's Taco Bell. So, all right. So, Taco Bell, second place on Mount Rushmore. Go-to order. Uh, this is where I really, like, you know, this is where I kind of fuck up food-wise and just over-order. See, for, like, McDonald's and most fast food places, you're just getting, like, one thing and a side. Taco Bell, there's not really, like, sides. So, I'm just getting, like, and everything sounds good always. So anyways, Taco Bell, this is no bullshit. This is my order. Two uh, five-layer burritos, a Mexican pizza, now that the fucking thing's back, but if it wasn't, then I'd pick like one or two other things. Two five-layer burritos, Mexican pizza, and a chicken quesadilla. (laughs) And like 40 packets of hot sauce. That's my go-to for Taco Bell. I don't fuck around with the Baja Blast. Don't care about it. Don't care about the little fucking cinnamon twists or empanada. Fuck all that. Two five-layer burritos, Mexican pizza, and a chicken quesadilla. And then I will most likely just eat that on the toilet because it is going to be going through me so fast. It's basically like there's just an open hole <laughs> from mouth to anus uh, whenever I eat Taco Bell. So... There's there's number two. Number three, Pizza Hut. Uh, no one out pizzas the hut, and that is that's goddamn gospel. Um, fuck Domino's. Domino's doesn't even come close. Papa John's. Uh, I mean, those are really like the main like big 
chain piece of places. There was a time in my life where, in the drinking days, where every for where every Saturday I would get absolutely obliterated, uh, drinking till about usually about seven in the morning. I would go to sleep for a couple hours, wake up at around noon to watch football on Sundays. Go to order, call Pizza Hut, a in my go to order, just a pepperoni pizza, stuffed crust, a large stuffed crust pepperoni pizza, and I would eat the entire pizza, so hungover. Within, I mean, damn near by the time the <laughs> damn near by the time the other team gets the ball for the first time, <laughs> like the opening drive of the game, the pizza's fucking done. And I had pizza boxes in my apartment. Like, I mean, it looked like the goddamn World Trade Centers in more ways than one uh, with the just double stack of fucking large Pizza Hut pizza boxes I had in there. I mean, it was pretty disgusting if I'm not, you know, you know, yeah. So there's there's number three. And then last spot on the old Mount Rushmore. This one to me, I think, is going to be the curveball to a lot of people. Wendy's. Now, let me tell you something. A little Wendy's history for uh, for me. I actually have like a very... <laughs> it's weird. Like, I look at these fucking places like the same way people look at the Grand Canyon. Like, they can remember, like, you know, all this shit. Like, I remember going to the Grand Canyon. I remember going to Wendy's. I remember in eighth grade, there was a summer where... Yeah, this would be eighth grade going into ninth grade. So, going into high school. There was that summer, I ate, and I am not exaggerating this, as much as it is going to sound like an exaggeration, I ate a, ba- a the double Baconator, not the triple, just the just the double. <laughs> That's how you know you're a fat fuck when you're just like, oh, no, 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 it's just the uh, double patty. The double patty Baconator, large fries, and a chocolate frosty <laughs> in that summer, five days a week. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Oh my god, just started talking about something. Okay. Yeah. Five days a week <laughs> for lunch, I went and got a bake a double baconator, large fries, and a frosty. <laughs> I I have to figure out how many calories in that. I mean I was it's got to be. It's got to be close to three thousand calories, in that one meal, and it was not my only meal of the day. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, and that's my so that's my go-to order for Wendy's, and a hundred percent dipping the fries in the shake. Which, thinking about it in my head, sounds absolutely fucking gross. And I think, yeah, I'm not doing that shit. That's so nasty. And then as soon as I get there. A fry is ending up in that fucking frosty. Fuck. Alright, so let's go ahead and move on. So there's the Mount Rushmore. God damn, I am starving right now. Um, So thank you McDonald's, Taco Bell, Pizza Hut, and Wendy's for, well, I mean, you definitely have given me a lot of happy moments in my life, but you've also turned me into a massive fat fuck who, uh, you know, Really has, really has a um, a hard time with stairs. 
<laughs> so, and a hard time buying clothes. Holy shit. So, I mean, I have, like, outgrown Walmart, which, uh, yeah, it's time to either buy an elliptical machine or walk in front of a train. <laughs> One is much easier than the other, but, uh, you know, yeah, time to do something. Probably don't need to be eating at either of those, any of those four places ever again, but, um, yeah, I will be eating at at least one of them a day for the next four days. Uh, so yeah, so there's Mount Rushmore. Now let's move on to, um, little where that come from. Here we go. All right, here we go. So a little bit of where that come from, where we talk about the origins of a word or phrase that you may not know. You know the word, you know the phrase, you may not know where it comes from. So, uh, yeah, here we go. So, in New York, uh, we're going back about 400 years. So, when New York was settled, most people may know this, it was settled by the Dutch. So, the fellows from uh, the Netherlands came to New York, and it was called New Amsterdam. Uh, I mean, it's where, like, Wall Street came from because there was an actual wall. Um, a lot of, like, the city name. I mean, not, not the names of the cities, but, like, a lot of the landmarks around New York City come from Dutch origins. Obviously, originally New York was settled by Native Americans. The Dutch come in and basically buy them out and say, well, we would like this, you know, we would like this island and we will turn it into New York City. Again, it was called New Amsterdam originally. Um, so, the people who lived in New York for a very long time were Dutch. A lot of fucking Dutch people living in New York City. And, like any group, you have like a pocket of... So, you end up having this pocket of Dutch people in New York City. And then the rest of the New England colonies are, you know, mostly British. Uh, I think pro probably like a little mix of other things too, but mostly British, like Massachusetts, Philadelphia. So like you have, you know, Pennsylvania, which is settled by William Penn and the Quakers in Massachusetts Bay colony down into like Rhode Island, Maryland, all these places, Connecticut, and they all British Puritans, mostly again, William Penn Quaker, but still, then you have the Dutch and because they are much different than the British, the British groups, uh, the British and the other colonies basically do not like the fucking Dutch. And they think they're weird as shit, which kind of still holds true today. Dutch people are fucking strange. Um, <laughs> just a fact. Um, so, naturally, the British were just like, well, we need to invent a slur to call the Dutch people. So anytime one group of people hates another group, they try to come up with like the you know wittiest little slur they can, and that is now what you are going to be called. So, Dutch people, for the most part, um, what like the British people in the colonies notice is that most of the Dutch people had the same two names, <laughs> most of the dudes at least. So most of the men in the New Amsterdam colony of New York City, you know, later New York City, but at the time New Amsterdam were either named uh, Keys, which is the um, kind of Dutch version of Cornelius, or Jan, which is the Dutch version of John. Uh, 
So they notice, like, goddamn, everyone in this motherfucker is either named Keys or Yawn. So they decided to mix the two names, Yawn and Keys, combine them, Yawn Keys, and that turned into New York Yankees. So that is why they're called the New York Yankees uh, to this day. So, yeah, I thought that'd be kind of interesting. So that's uh, where that came from. And time to move on to a little bit of half-ass history. Three, uh, <laughs> three very interesting stories. So, uh... okay. So the first story we're going to talk about today is, I mean, now it's become a you know pretty big topic of discussion in the news. But UFO sightings and a very famous UFO sighting that happened in 1997 in Phoenix, Arizona. So, in Phoenix, Arizona, in 1997, there was a guy flying a plane, you know, piloting a plane with his uh, young son. And that man flying this plane, uh, him and his son are flying over the, uh, Phoenix, and they see a bunch of lights in a V-shaped pattern flying in the sky as well. And the son starts kind of freaking out and is telling his dad, like, you know, like, I'm worried, I'm afraid, blah, blah, blah. So the dad calls in and radios in, I am pretty sure that I'm seeing a UFO right now. (laughs) And I'm seeing like all these lights in a V-shaped pattern. He radios it in and becomes the first person to report what would be known as the Phoenix Lights. And the Phoenix Lights, in all, are witnessed by over a thousand people in the Phoenix, Arizona area. So over a thousand people report that they also saw this giant V-shaped pattern of lights flying through the sky. And it ends up getting, you know, kind of halfway explained as being, you know, whatever, something like military-related, blah, blah, blah. A lot of people are still not convinced to this day that that's what it was. A lot of people are convinced that it was an actual UFO sighting. Um, Well, that pilot, the pilot who was the first person to report seeing the Phoenix lights <laughs> was a fellow by the name of Kurt Russell. <laughs> yeah. The actor Kurt Russell was flying with his son, Wyatt Russell in their plane. Kurt Russell and his son see the lights reported and he becomes the first person to uh, report <laughs> one of the largest uh, UFO sightings in U S history. So, yeah, thought that's a pretty good one. So let's see, what do I got? Okay, so this one is just weird and sad, really. <laughs> so it involves arguably one of the greatest directors of all time, basically the inventor of you know the modern suspense horror films, Alfred Hitchcock. So Alfred Hitchcock, obviously legendary director of a. Uh, Psycho, The Birds, Rear Window, Vertigo, Rebecca, um, North by Northwest. Like, incredible movies. Movies that, like, to this day are, like, studied for, you know, their influence in later films. Like, you know, Steven Spielberg was a massive fan of Alfred Hitchcock. Even, like, snuck in to, like, a studio lot whenever he was a kid to watch Alfred Hitchcock direct a movie one time. Like, Alfred Hitchcock undeniably a genius 
also, <laughs> undeniably, a psychopath. So Alfred Hitchcock used to just do very um, questionable things to people. <laughs> some kind of like harmless pranks, some not so much. So he used to, like for example, he would throw a dinner party and not tell anyone that every single food item, every single plate, napkin, the wall, everything would be blue. And he would make no notice of it before the party, during the party, or after the party. It's just you come to dinner and you're going to be eating you know, a blue salad, blue soup, and fucking blue roast beef. Whatever the hell Alfred Hitchcock was serving at these dinner parties. Your fork is going to be blue. Your napkin will be blue. And he would just ignore it like it was completely normal. So that was the thing Alfred Hitchcock used to do. That, to me, kind of funny. Weird as shit, but still pretty funny. And, you know, definitely not a crime. <laughs> not immoral, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, most of the Hitchcock's uh, pranks were a little bit more extreme than that. So, one, him and a camera operator got into a... Basically, created a bet where the cameraman said that he could stay all the way through the night handcuffed to his camera. Like the giant, you know, camera stand, the tripod. Like that he could stay chained to that camera, handcuffed to that camera, and just sleep there overnight. Alfred Hitchcock said, okay, yeah, if you do that, you know, I'll give you some money. Um, and, you know, you'll win the bet. Like, if you could do that. Like, I'll bet you this amount of money that you can't stay overnight handcuffed to your camera. Camera operator said, yeah, of course I can. So let's do it. So Alfred Hitchcock's like, all right, like, as a little, you know, cheers to the bet. Here's a glass of brandy. Um, we'll both drink a glass of brandy and, you know, cheers to the bet. And then I'll leave and you stay. Well, Alfred Hitchcock laced the camera operator's brandy with a very powerful laxative. And by the time everybody left, the camera operator, uh, who is now handcuffed to this crane, um, yeah, the laxative takes effect, and they find him the next day, curled up in the fetal position, covered in feces, crying his eyes out, just from, like, the disgustingness, the embarrassment of having the entire cast and crew coming in to see him, and Alfred Hitchcock, it was just a funny prank. <laughs> now, the worst one, or one that's, I mean, I don't know, worst, best, whatever, one that is just wild to me is it during the filming of the birds the star actress was tippy hedron tippy hedron incredible actress mother of uh i mean basically she's tippy hedron is like hollywood legacy royalty in a way um so tippy hedron is the actress playing the lead in the birds very beautiful woman alfred hitchcock also thinks she's very attractive alfred hitchcock is in a car with her alone and basically tries to come on to her and tries to get her to like, you know, do some things with him. And she is not interested. And Alfred Hitchcock is not really taking no for an answer and basically forces himself on her. But then she ends up getting out of the car. And so nothing fully happens, but it's a hundred percent an assault on Tippy Hedron. 
And because she, you know, turned him down, Alfred Hitchcock decided to basically make her life living hell on the set of the birds. Mostly by torturing her with actual birds that he was, I mean, making her do scenes over and over and over with live birds that were like pecking her and like scratching her. And she ended up like damn near having a breakdown. Um, and so Alfred Hitchcock was just like tormenting her. At one point, Alfred Hitchcock <laughs> sent, Jesus, this one is fucking crazy. So at one point, Alfred Hitchcock sent a gift to Tippi Hedren's daughter. Tippi Hedren's daughter is the actress Melanie Griffith. Um, but this time, she's a child. And what Alfred Hitchcock sent her as a gift was a doll of her mother, Tippi Hedren, in a coffin. <laughs> and what that means, like what Hitchcock meant by that, who knows. But it was not well received by uh, anyone on the Hedron side of the, uh, <laughs> Hedron side of the, uh, you know, whole debacle. But uh, yeah, Salvador Hitchcock was, in all, just really not that good of a guy. <laughs> I mean, there's actually a lot more stories than just that one, but I mean. I figured I'd just go through a couple. And yeah. So there's a couple stories of the asshole that is, that was uh, Alfred Hitchcock. All right. So time to move on to the uh, last. All right. So the last one uh, of the half-ass history that we're going to do today involves a person that I think is, without a doubt, the biggest douchebag, maybe in world history. I was going to say just like film history, but I think it might be the history of the world. Just a, ugh, just a, just a dickhead asshole of a human being. And that person is a <laughs> action hero, actor, uh, turned lawman, turned, uh, you know, deserter. Of the, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> turned Vladimir Putin best friend, um, Steven Seagal. So, boy, there is a lot to go through if you're talking about Steven Seagal. And I'm just going to pick one side of Steven Seagal's life and talk about it today. So, Steven Seagal, obviously, famous for doing like martial arts movies where he is just beating the shit out of people and also running like a complete fucking jack off. Um, so Steven Seagal is, according to him, an expert in a martial art known as Aikido. And it is apparently this, like, you know, ancient art that Steven Seagal studied and became a master of. And then incorporated that martial art into his films. And, you know, was doing exhibitions to show the, uh, you know, effectiveness of Aikido. <laughs> well, so according to Steven Seagal, he went to Japan uh, as a young man. And when he went to Japan, he claims that he trained under the founder of Aikido. The founder of Aikido, a fellow named, uh, hold on, Morahai, yes. So the founder of Aikido is a fellow named Morahai Ueshiba. And Steven Seagal claims that he went to Japan as a young man and trained under the founder of Aikido, uh, Mr. Ueshiba. Well, 
The only problem with that is that Steven Seagal moved to Japan in 1971. Morihei Ueshiba died in 1969. <laughs> so Morihei Ueshiba died two years before Steven Seagal was ever in Japan. So that would make it, you know, without a Ouija board, it would make it very difficult to train under him when the son of a bitch is dead. But according to Steven Seagal, he trained under him, became a master of Aikido, and, uh, you know, basically became like its new leader. Well, fast forward a little bit. Uh, Steven Seagal is now involved in the movie industry. And this time not as an actor. This is before acting, uh, you know, stage of Steven Seagal's life. Uh, at this point, he's just a stunt coordinator, basically like a martial arts trainer for a couple films. One of which is the movie. Uh, so one of the movies that Steven Seagal was a uh, stunt coordinator trainer for was Never Say Never Again, which is a James Bond film. Uh, I believe the last James Bond film was Sean Connery. And so in you know the kind of behind the scenes of the movie, Steven Seagal is supposed to be teaching Sean Connery uh, this martial art, Aikido, in which Steven Seagal is a master of. Well, Steven Seagal apparently thought that Sean Connery was too arrogant for him, which, to be too arrogant for Steven Seagal, <laughs> I mean, my God, like, yeah. So according to Steven Seagal, Sean Connery was much too arrogant, and to teach him a lesson, Steven Seagal grabbed him and just broke his wrist. <laughs> <laughs> just completely snapped Sean Connery's wrist and they had to, you know, like it fucked up filming. And I mean, obviously they still made the movie, but like, yeah, usually breaking the wrist of the, of the guy playing James Bond in the James Bond movie, not going to go well for your career. Well, I mean, obviously Steven Skull ends up having a somewhat successful career somehow. Um, but again, all this starts off on a lie that Steven Seagal perpetuated that he trained under this guy who was the founder of Aikido and became an Aikido master. He didn't train under this dude. The dude was dead before Steven Seagal ever went to Japan. Steven Seagal is a liar. <laughs> and as you will find when you look into the life of Steven Seagal, uh, lying is uh, pretty second nature to Mr. Seagal. So... Yeah, but that'll be just the little tip of the iceberg on the Steven Seagal stuff. I might end up doing like 15 of these about Steven Seagal. Not, I mean, I'm not exaggerating. So, we'll just see. But uh, that's the first one. Just know Steven Seagal's a liar, and he broke Sean Connery's wrist. Which is just, I think, a good place to start. So, yeah. So, there's that. And with that, that'll, uh, you know, that'll knock out this episode of... Uh, the Code Tucker Show. Thank you for watching. Uh, tune in next week when we do the whole thing again. So, yep. With that, 